You're listening to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine. Join Sharon as she discusses the human experience of creating and maintaining relationships of all kinds, from friendships to family and everything in between. And now, here's Sharon. Welcome to Ship Talking, WCHL's relationship talk show. I am your host, Sharon, and here at Ship Talking, we talk about all angles of all types of relationships. If you've been listening to us lately, you've heard a lot of stories over the past couple of weeks, stories of couples who have come together, stories of friends who have connected during the quarantine, stories of breakups during the quarantine. I love hearing people's stories. I think they are interesting and often funny and deeply affirming and supportive of what we're going through in our own lives. But I also want ship talking to be a place of learning. So I've brought on today someone who has really immersed themselves in the study of relationships. I have with us Danielle Weber. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm doing good. Just um, working from home like everybody else is during this time. (laughs) (laughs) So Danielle, you are a fifth year clinical psychology student who is part of Dr. Bauckham's uh, Couples Lab, which studies Mm -hmm. adult relationships. Is that right? Yes, it is. So you've agreed to be here with us for two shows. Thank you so much because your work is really twofold. So as a PhD student, you have a foot in the clinical world where you facilitate couples therapy, but you also do a lot of um, research on how couples experience emotion in their relationships. So we're going to hear about both of those things, but that is far more than 30 minutes of content. So we're going to split our talk over two episodes. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, thank you so much for agreeing to do that. So I thought we would start today with just learning about your experience as a couples therapist. Um, I have a lot of questions for you, but before I get into those, I would like to start with hearing a little bit about your background and how you mm-hmm. develop this interest in working with cop- with couples. What has brought you to this work? Of course. Um, so I really started um, in college. I knew I wanted to study psychology in the long term. And it just became clear the more I got into what contributes to like problems in mental health was that relationships were so intertwined with that. I would like just in reading, I just thought so much about how for some people, like if they were in really good relationships, like their struggles seemed so much easier. And then at other times, if you're in a relationship that wasn't so good, things really got a lot worse. And so as I started to become interested in this, I just noticed more and more examples as I was looking at people with mental health difficulties and just the benefit that a good relationship can have and the bad impacts that if you're in a really toxic relationship where you don't address your difficulties, how that can impact your mental health. And so that's how I kind of entered into this world of clinical psychology. I chose this program here at UNC Chapel Hill because I wanted to work with somebody who really knew the ins and outs of couples relationships. And so um, I had the chance to work with couples clinically and also research like the things about relationships that are really important to understand in terms of our like well-being as a couple and also well-being as individuals. So it's really been a joy um, being able to really study what you find interesting for the betterment of a lot of people. And so I thought 
it would be helpful to first kind of break down to everyone listening kind of what couples therapy is and what it isn't. And I say that just because, or correct me if I'm wrong here, I know a lot of people have this idea of couples therapy being kind of like an indicator of something being wrong in the relationship. Um, I hear a lot about the idea of like needing to go to couples therapy, but my understanding of that is um, there's a, a lot more to seeing a couples therapist than, mm-hmm. than that. Is that right? It's not just yeah. for couples having a hard time. Yeah, I think that that's often the term therapy is often assuming that there is something wrong, um, but people can work um, with the couple to also strengthen the the existing qualities they already really like in their relationships. Sometimes those are called like relationship education or prevention programs that basically prevent you from getting distressed. Um, And so these are common for couples who are about to get married um, and they're becoming more popular in other settings as well. Like there's some design for couples who are about to have children and there's design to kind of be on the lookout of like, what could be challenges in your future? And can we do things to strengthen what you have? And couples therapy, even though it often is, sought out because people are experiencing certain concerns in their relationship. It's not necessarily this thing of, oh, this means you're you're doomed. I think, unfortunately, that's a, that's a, a stigma that kind of comes along with it. But the goal of couple therapy is for a therapist to meet you and just understand what your relationship looks like and figure out, okay, what are the strengths you have? How can we use those as a tool to really help you improve in the areas where you are experiencing more difficulties. And so it's really a collaborative process of um, when I when I do couples therapy um, and different couple therapists might have a slightly different you know, structure in terms of how they do it. But there's usually several sessions at the beginning where just getting to know the person, um, like each partner and getting to know the couple as a whole and then formulating their own unique kind of treatment plan. Like what are the things that you most need and how can I help you get there? And then from there, it's just trying different things and and seeing what works and adapting. If, if things are challenging, kind of being able to change course and just work with the couple to better improve their relationship. I know each of your relationships with couples is very um, individual, very unique, but what are overall some common themes you see in your work with couples? Oh, well, people might have heard this before, but generally communication is probably the most commonly reported thing that people say is like, oh, we have not great communication. And just hearing that on the outset, that doesn't say exactly what it ends up looking like. But for example, that can mean conflict that kind of gets out of hand kind of quickly. Um, It could be that, you know, people kind of shut down and avoid conflict entirely and so they don't communicate about things. Um, But that's something that's so common um, that people tell me about is that our communication is not good. And the good thing is that couple therapy has really good techniques to help with communication. Um, So the couple therapy that I've, um, you know, there's different certain specific approaches within couple therapy. And the one that I do, the one that um, Don Balcom at UNC really helped promote is cognitive behavioral couple therapy. And in cognitive behavioral couple therapy, or CBCT for short, um, there's specific parts of the treatment that are communication skills, like guidelines. We basically help teach couples, like, here's how you can communicate in really effective ways. 
And often what that looks like is really helping people share what their experiences are to the other person in ways that are genuine, but that the other person can also understand. Um, so if when people get into really not great uh, conflict cycles of like just talking over each other and dismissing the other person, you kind of need to slow it down and just say like, how would how, how are you going to say this in a way that the other person can really understand your perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, that doesn't work if the other person, if they're listening, is like rolling their eyes or shutting down. So it's also teaching the person who's listening to really accept what the other person's saying, not saying that they have to agree with it, but just accepting what they mean. And so kind of through kind of some like partly structured kind of practicing of how people communicate in more effective ways, we can kind of change the kind of cycles that have maybe gotten out of hand for people and help them towards better communication. Thank you so much. We're going to take a pause, but I have a lot more questions for you. So keep listening to Ship Talking on 97.9 The Hill. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine. We'll be back with more after this on 97.9 The Hill. And now back to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine. Once again, here's Sharon. Welcome back to Ship Talking on 97.9 The Hill. I am your host, Sharon, joined again with Danielle. How's it going, Danielle? It's great. How are you doing, Sharon? I'm doing well. So we were talking in the last segment about just your experience experiences as a club couples therapist. You were speaking to some common themes you've seen in your practice. You were telling us about communication, which I think a lot of people know is the big one. So um, continue from there. I'm interested to hear what else you've seen. Yeah. So along with communication, which is often an example of when we see kind of the negatives come up in couples, like what they're reporting when they come into therapy is like, this is a not good part of our relationship. We want help with this is that, you know, relationships also, they can't just not have bad things. They also need to have good things in them as well. So, um, you know, in order for a plant to grow, you need, it needs sunlight, it needs water. So relationships also need to have life. They need to have excitement and things that feel new in order to maintain a relationship in the long term. And so another common reason people come in is like, you know, we just don't have much excitement anymore. We feel like roommates. We don't feel like um, like that excitement early in our relationship. Um, and so a really important part of therapy is also figuring out how do we build in that time um, and the space for really positive, just genuine moments of connection. Um, and so in therapy, that's why often we like to look at people's development in their relationship. We ask about when they first got together and because we often want to think about those things they might have done early in their relationships that maybe now they don't have time for. But also people's lives change. And so they develop new interests over time. And so for some couples, it's just they don't have time to do those things. So it's how do we find the time to do it and like trim the fat, cut other things out to make sure you have room to do this when possible. Um, and also it might be, well, let's discover new activities um, that you maybe haven't tried before um, and just bring back some of that creativity and enjoyment that they can have together. So that's another big thing is finding time for you know positives in the relationship in order to make you thrive. Um, and another really big theme um, is that sometimes it might not be a problem with the 
dynamic between the two of you, it might also be a struggle that one person is dealing with. Um, so we know that if one person is really struggling with a mental health condition, then that can add some complication to the relationship. Um, because if one person's really struggling, that kind of does affect the balance. Um, and so the good thing is that we have really good treatments that are designed to actually treat a disorder, even in the context of a relationship. Um, so typically people think like, if you're struggling personally, you can just go get, you know, individual therapy on your own. Um, but there's been these the development of these treatments that we call couple-based interventions for um, these disorders where you can get treatment, but your partner can basically be there and like help you through it. And that's really great because partners often don't know how to be supportive. Like if one person's depressed, the partner is just like, I don't know what to do for you. I just want you to feel better. Um, and so having a treatment where it brings in the partner can teach the partner how to help them in ways that are really supportive and good um, without accidentally doing things that could make things worse. So we find that um, that's another way we can address that very common problem that comes up in relationship seeking therapy. That's I haven't heard of that before. That's that's awesome. Is if you were looking for a couple's therapist to um, to do some of those specific treatments, are those treatments kind of um, widespread now in couples therapy, or should you look for a therapist who is uh, specialized in working in relationships where one person struggles with mental mm -hmm. illness? Yeah, to my knowledge, they're not as widespread as I think they should be. This has actually been only in recent decades that this has become um, really a reality. Um, part of the reason I came to the program here at UNC Chapel Hill is to work with Don Balcom, who is one of the um, really leaders in this world of looking at couples where one person has a disorder um, and really bringing in the principles of those great treatments that work individually on that disorder um, and then just bring in the couple as well. Um, so a lot, uh, he's definitely an expert in this area, um, but I, there aren't that many. There, there's a lot of attempts to do workshops to teach other clinicians um, around the world about how to do these interventions. So it's definitely getting more out there, um, but it, it could be that you could seek out a couple therapists and ask if they have experience um, with treating individual disorders in that context. Um, and also maybe just doing some some online searches and see what comes up for you. Um, but I think that I, I believe very much that it should be more of a reality in up, upcoming years. That's very much my hope and a hope for my career, too, to make them more popular. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that with me. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Question. So we've we've talked a lot about this show about how on the show about how the pandemic has really impacted how we relate and connect with other people in our lives. And you've spoken so far about the importance of making sure you find those um, genuine moments of connection with your partner. So how, how has the quarantine and this kind of global period of stress been impacting relationships in your practice or have <laughs> Yeah, it's a really big question. Um, when we first, I, I remember asking this question when this pandemic started, and then when we were we were transitioning the UNC Couples Clinic into a teletherapy format, and wondering how are people going to be influenced here. And I guess one way to think about this is that um, couples uh, during this time 
at this time has a lot of stress. And when we're stressed, we're not our best selves. We're often not um, the best communicators. And so in many ways, the pandemic can be seen as something that can make things harder. Um, If we're just globally stressed, we're not going to be able to listen as well to our partners. We're not going to have the energy to spend, you know, positive time together because we can't really leave the house. Um, We can't do a lot of things that we used to do to enjoy our time together as a couple. Um, So there's just a lot of ways that we have more stress in our environment um, and that we also have fewer just opportunities that we used to rely on to feel relaxed and enjoy ourselves with our partners. Um, That being said, there's also other ways that a pandemic can make you just think about what matters in your life. And sometimes when there's big external things, it can make you focus more on the external rather than the internal. So also some couples can really see this as a chance to be like, you know what matters to me? my relationship and what can I do um, to prioritize that in my life? And so some people have really made a lot of meaning out of this time. um, And that's actually brought a lot of kind of new purpose and meaning and enjoyment into their lives. So I think it's, it's all about trying to figure out, well, what's, what's hard for each, uh, what's new in this situation for each individual couple. And for some couples it's okay. So you, you used to enjoy your date nights by going out. Um, if that's not possible now, what can you do to bring some excitement inside? And that might be just how can you help the couple be creative? The good thing is that we know that the small day-to-day uh, positive things actually carry more weight to the overall quality of your relationship and the big exciting dates. Um, So if you can create those like day-to-day positives, then that can carry a lot of weight. And then just helping teach couples like not to, although it's so easy when we're stressed to just take it out on the person, just help them just not take it out on the other person that it's a tough time and we just want to be kind to each other. Thanks, Danielle. We'll be right back to Ship Talking on WCHL The Hill. You're listening to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine. We'll be back with more after this on 97.9 The Hill. And now back to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine. Once again, here's Sharon. Welcome back to Ship Talking on 97.9 The Hill. I am your host, Sharon, joined by Danielle, who is a fifth-year clinical psychology doctoral student, and she specializes in couples work, and she's talked with us over the past couple of segments about her experience as a couples therapist and some, some themes that have come up in her work. And Danielle, I know starting couples therapy can be really scary for for people. I think there are a lot of unknowns. There is a little stigma that is still attached mm-hmm. to it. And so I thought maybe we could end this show with some discussion about what can be expected over the first couple of sessions mm-hmm. for someone starting therapy. So, so maybe for someone who has no experience with a therapist, um, what, what do those first couple of sessions look like? Yeah, so I, I know that it can be really scary for people to think I'm talking to somebody about difficulties I might not have ever expressed to anybody else, and I'm doing it in the room with somebody who might, you know, is, is contributing to the discomfort because it's a problem in the relationship. So people might be really afraid of, like, what is this going to look like? And what it basically looks like is, and I know that different therapists work at different paces. So what specifically is included in one session or the other might look a little different, but 
the first step is a therapist just wanting to get to know the couple and wanting to hear a little bit of their story and understand why they're coming in. Um, so involve a lot of questions of the therapist just trying to understand and really want to hear from both people. Um, so I know one concern people often have is like, am I going to be the bad guy? Am I going to be painted as this person who's contributing to all the problems? Because that's what often happens when relationships um, sometimes get to a more negative point is people blame each other. But the therapist is really trying to understand how can I help this couple? And that means hearing from both people and understanding what are their goals together as a unit. Um, and that certainly means addressing like each person's individual perspectives if they disagree. But it's really trying to make it a safe space for them to share. And so that means that you first get a lot of information and then collaboratively together set what are the goals that we have and how can I help you get there? So it's not the therapist just saying, here's what you have to do. And it's like one way um, that it works. And if they don't follow it, it's like, no, you're out of therapy. It's, it's very much a very warm process of like, how can we all work together to make your relationship better? Um, focusing on your strengths and also on the concerns you have and how to address those. Um, so it's, it's a warm kind of welcoming process of just how do I get to know you? How do I form a relationship in general? Just talking to people. Um, and I know that people are really afraid of like, am I going to have a therapist who understands me? Um, so I encourage you to just ask your own questions in the first few sessions, like any concerns that you might have about a therapist, ask the therapist and they can talk to you. And, you know, just because you sign up to do a one session doesn't mean that that's who you have to see for the rest of therapy. You can get a feel for them. If, if it's not something that you're comfortable with, you can find a different therapist. Um, so that's something that's good to keep in mind is that this is someone who can take you on a really important path um, to improving your relationship. So you want to make sure you have that comfort with a therapist kind of as you get started. But give it a few tries. Give it a little bit of time. See if that thing feels okay. See if it feels like a safe space. And last question before we, we have to move on. If there is a couple who's interested in pursuing couples therapy, like what's the process? Like how do they navigate that? Should they do just a, a quick Google search? Are there um, sites out there that will help them find someone who's a good fit for them? Like what resources can you share about people who might be interested? Yeah. So there's a lot of great um, databases out there, like websites where you can specifically search um, by your region, by insurance coverage, and by specialty. And these are general for a lot of types of therapy. But for example, the website Psychology Today has a like therapist search, and they have one specifically for um, couples therapists. Um, there's also, I think, the APA, the American Psychological Association, also has a psychologist locator. So you can just look up APA psychologist locator. Um, and also just general Google searches will also be helpful. Um, and if you're concerned about, will my insurance cover this? Um, you can look, you can contact your insurance company directly and ask if they cover couples therapy. And if so, if they have any recommendations of someone who's in network. Um, and finally, you know, a lot of um, if there are, um, and I may be biased here, but because I'm in a clinical psychology PhD program, a lot of um, psychology PhD programs, they have training clinics. Um, and so that might be an option for sometimes lower cost services if they have couples training included there. Um, so you could contact a local university and see if they would have openings um, at their university clinic. Um, so those are just a few recommendations um, to get started. 
Well, thank you so much, Danielle. That's all we have time to talk about today. But I appreciate you so much sharing your time with us. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for listening to Ship Talking on 97.9 The Hill. Catch us next week. You've been listening to Ship Talking with Sharon Levine on 97.9 The Hill. For more episodes, visit the on-demand page of our website, chapelboro.com. 